My name is Brent. A freak of nature. One of a kind. I won't tell you my last name. I can't tell you my last name, or the name of the city where I live. I want to tell you everything, but I can't give any clues to my true identity, or it would be the end of the podcast. Welcome to Fandalites, the podcast where me and Jenna dis- uh, read and discuss every Animorphs book in order. Hey, this everyone. week we're we're doing book three, The Encounter. This is a Tobias POV, so uh, he's stuck in Hawkmorph. Yeah, uh, get the- ready to feel down. <laughs> down. <laughs> yes, this is the emo Tobias book, the first yeah, one. Yeah, ironically, it is not very uplifting. Unlike all the thermals. What? <laughs> uh, so the broad plot of this is that the Animorphs discover a Yerk uh, tanker ship is what they keep calling it, like a truck ship that's siphoning the Earth's precious fluids and gases. (laughs) They uh, stage a daring plan to uncloak it above a populous area, because of course it has cloaking technology, why wouldn't it? Uh, But they end up destroying it instead, and once again, almost die. Also, Tobias wrestles with life as a hawk. Yeah, so this book opens with like a pretty crazy sequence where they are freeing this hawk that's held captive by a local used car salesman uh and it's they are live recording a commercial i don't know if it's a live commercial or if they're i i can't remember was it an actual commercial that they were filming or was it live on air do you remember the it's they made it sound like it was live on air i don't know how rachel and tobias would know that necessarily but yeah, and I don't know a lot of commercials that air live, generally speaking. But so they 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 stage this daring and uh, I would I would say unnecessarily daring rescue in which uh, Tobias flies down and using his hawk beak inputs a code in like a padlock, which it might be the first thing in these books that seriously defies my ability to suspend my disbelief. Yeah, it won't be the first thing. It won't be the last thing in this book that does that, though. Yeah, that was just crazy. And then Rachel shows up as an elephant to fuck <laughs> shit up. And it's like, this is the least incognito. You guys are not even fucking trying. Yeah, K. Applegate making me eat my words about Rachel being the more natural choice for leader here. <laughs> yeah. She's a loose cannon. Yeah, and Tobias just revs her up. She doesn't play by the book, but goddammit, she gets results. Yeah, she really does. Yeah, in in that way, they do make a good renegade cop combo. But like, holy fucking shit, there's about a hundred things. You were live on air! And you're a hawk who's doing, like, oh, you you stupid kids. And this is like a throwaway scene. The Yerks never bring this up. Yeah, no. Uh, they, do, they do get lambasted by uh, everybody else, though. Yeah, appropriately so. I mean, not just Marco, but Jake and Cassie are pretty pissed at them, too. Yeah, and I was too, as the, the <laughs> right. sixth member of the Animorph team. So disappointed in them. <laughs> yeah, and then we, so we follow, like, this hawk keeps reappearing. Yes. And I thought that was all really interesting. The female hawk. Yeah, a female, a lady hawk. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> a lady hawk that he has this, uh, this magnetic attraction to. The hawk yeah. part of him just is into this lady hawk feels like yeah. they belong together yeah really like innate inborn and this is the first time that ka really mentions mating 
mm-hmm. and that very primal animal instinct. I mean, so far there's been a lot of talk about eating and prey and predators. God, let's talk about the food for a second, though. Oh shit! Okay, we should circle back to the mating though, because you know that's what I'm. Okay, most no, no, sorry, in. sorry. Let's let's do mating, then we'll 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 put a pin in food. We'll talk about okay. food right after we get done with mating. Okay, so God, so I in my memory they don't talk about mating ever, and that makes sense to what I would have been interested in at the time because I wouldn't give a fuck about mating. I was a, I was a preteen. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing if K.A. digs into that at all otherwise. But there is a point where Tobias is explicitly like, uh, red hawks, uh, red-tailed hawks don't mate for life or maybe they do, we don't really know. And it's like, are you gonna, are you gonna, are you gonna bone this hawk? You're, you're like a 12-year-old human boy. Yeah, but he's, He's also like a hawk. He is like a hawk. Too much, perhaps. Mm-hmm. He, did you ever read, have you ever read Wild Seed by Octavia Butler? You've recommended it to me. It's on my <sighs> Kindle wish list, but I have not yet read it. It's real good. So it's sort of, it's sort of like, it was written in the, I think, 1980 or the early 80s. Um, and it's very much like uh, an adult, fully fleshed out Animorph story. No way. Uh, it's it's real it's really really good but the main character is uh, a woman who if she i think if she eats a piece of animal meat she gains the ability to transform her body into that and one of the weirder sequences of that book is she eats a piece of dolphin meat and swims with the dolphins and uh, octavia butler is very frank about the fact that she has sex with dolphins because they're dolphins and that's sort of like what what dolphins do yeah i don't uh, recall the dolphins in the next book book or two doing that yeah not that i recall see that's what i'm curious about maybe it's there metaphorically i don't think i don't think they have sex with any animals okay so here's what i don't get though like okay i i get they don't have sex with any animals i'm pretty sure that ka just wanted to keep that like like something to torture tobias and the rest (sighs) of them aren't really thinking about it but they they all turn into dolphins at some point and they're all like teenagers yeah that's like that's a heady combo and i don't think anything happened from it yeah probably in some horrifying fanfic it does but thankfully not in the actual books oh god definitely in the fanfic Uh, i I absolutely god we should have a segment where we call out uh this week's erotic fanfic find fuck i mean so i i don't know if i mentioned this on the show before but my i had a a, an animorphs fan site that i made on geocities because yeah you've you've mentioned that for sure you had your fanfic (laughs) i think i just edited episode one i heard you mention it like 12 times uh (laughs) while i was going through the audio I think about it a lot. So if somebody saved my stupid Animorphs Geocities fan site, I'm certain there's like a billion others that have been saved that we could dig around with. Or I guess, I mean, there probably a lot of them are probably still up on fanfic.net. Because that site has been up forever. If you remember the URL, Rio Cities archived all of them that were around when Yahoo shut it down. Excellent. I mean, they, they saved... They saved a lot of them. They didn't save all of them. Because there was a huge number of Geocity sites. Um, but statistically speaking, I assume like 20% are Animorphs <laughs> and sites. So we should probably be covered. I do like that idea though. So yeah, so the the issue, the question of mating as an instinct, I'm curious to see if it reappears. It, it only, it, it only peaks in ever so briefly and gently in this book. So 
I don't know. I think it may be one of those things that only comes up for Tobias because he's spending so much time as a hawk. Like the rest of them, it doesn't super come up. uh, I think, I hope that it doesn't (laughs) super come up uh, just because they've got a two hour limit. And like typically the stuff that they're doing is not super conducive to horniness. Yeah. That's true. And like for for it seems like most of the sort of food attacks that they go through are really like moments of luck. Like they just happen to be where there's a a live spider to eat. And so God, yes, we're talking about the food stuff. God. So, yeah, this is something I noticed really intensely about the first three books. And I'm really I'm curious to see if K.A. keeps this up through the rest of the books. But there seems to be a really definitive line that all the characters are drawing at eating something and eating something within the morph seems to be like a moment of really increased terror and sort of memorable uh memorable nightmarish moments i think there's really a thematic connection from that to their first experience of viscer three morphine where he eats that andalite yeah and in book two he threatens to eat the yerks in another morph so i think you're getting I don't know if it's intentional or not, but there's definitely a good guy, bad guy delineation between reveling in the the food choices of your morph and giving into that and and resisting them and being horrified by what you're doing. Yeah, there's something something important about the instinctive sort of draw to food that seems to be like the breaking point for all the characters. So you had in the first book... Uh, uh, Jake with the live spider, mm-hmm. um, which is brought up in this book again, uh, and in the second book, uh, Rachel having continuing nightmares again, continuing into this book about being a shrew and wanting to eat maggots and rotten flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean, that's fair. That'd probably fuck me up. Oh real yeah, bad for too. sure. Yeah, and then Tobias in this book has this whole uh, sort of emotional mental breakdown because he loses control and and eats a rat. And that fucks him up. Yeah, he just, he goes native. Yeah. And that, that I think you make a really good point about the Visor using consumption as a weapon, as a threat. I, I I don't know entirely what to make of all of that, except that that seems to be like an underlying issue that K.A. herself is really interested in. I mean, it's only three books in, so maybe we'll get to see more of that. Maybe it's a theme that she plays with here and then drops later. Who knows? Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I feel like it's got to come up more. I mean, it's a really potent. I think it's a really potent angle just because like if I think about eating a live spider, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, eating alive anything, I think, uh, is is it grosses me out pretty much. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, there's a couple ways we could segue from this. I'm going to go with last book, Visser 3, threatened to eat the Yerks in the Chapman's heads if they failed him. And this book, there's a hork bajir who a controller who fucks up and and shoots their tractor, their truck ship with a with a dracon beam, right? Which like sidebar, uh, dracon beams are capable of doing an awful lot of damage to capital class ships. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was. God, the animorphs really need to get a hold of some of those. They could do some real damage. Right, that was another thing that pushed my suspension of disbelief. That it's just like it was like. Knife through a hot hot butter, or a hot knife through through lukewarm butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sidebar, do Yerks die when their hosts die? Like, is he threatening to execute this Hork-Bajir controller 
Or is he just inflicting the pain of the host's death on that Yurik, and then they get slotted into a new host uh, once that once that host is dead? That's a great question. I like the idea of having to suffer through the the death of your host as punishment, as just sort of like psychic torture. But it also, I feel like I feel like there are other scenes where we see Yurks like leave bodies, but they have. I think they have to get back either into a body or into that pool. I don't think they can just exist on their own. Like, that's the whole thing is, like, they can't exist without a host body. But it does lead to the question of, like, how how rare or how valuable are hosts? I mean, it's valuable enough that they're trying to conquer an entire planet. But Visser seems to be pretty pretty loose with how he, he sends uh, hosts to their death. Yeah, he's charging a lot of bodies on the corporate card here. Yeah. But we also get the impression from uh, the Chapmans that he's kind of a shitty boss. Uh, so maybe that's not the standard protocol. Well, here's the thing. I, I imagine it can't be because in another part of the book, he's talking about how he's, if the, if the Andalite bandits, quote unquote, that he thinks the Animorphs <laughs> actually are, turn themselves in peacefully, then he'll grant them a quick death, which... Like, okay, if he really cared about the Yurik war effort, then he'd make right. them all controllers. But right? he doesn't. He wants to be the only Andalite controller because that's what gives him all of his status. So yeah. Andalite host? Yeah, fucking kill them. Why not? <laughs> I'm murdering Hork Bajir. I'm murdering human controllers. Who gives a shit? I'm a Visser 3. I'm Visser 3, bitches. Yeah. Seems like, seems like a shitty boss. Seems like a bad general. Uh in general <laughs> yeah he's just he's really bad at his job which maybe explains why he keeps getting outsmarted cobra commander by style a by a kids. group of teenagers yeah also uh, we, uh, the, how terrible was this plan for the animorphs like we're gonna turn into fish and then hope to get sucked up by this tube and then we'll just sort of figure it out from there on yeah like whoa dog yeah they're definitely a gaming group <laughs> right like there's no way that this is not someone's role-playing game oh my god yeah they're really shittily poor poorly thought out rescue plan that goes about as good as you could hope which is <laughs> not at all good right because they all almost bite it yeah yes leading to some desperate acts for tor for, for poor tobias some mid-air acrobatic morphine yeah yeah <sighs> Real intense. Yeah. I, I got the feeling that that subplot of them going into the ship was not well thought out by K.A. either. It was like, I just we just need to get them out of here to do some shit so that we can have Tobias be alone and sad a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Poor fucking Tobias. Well, so, okay. All right. Back to food. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll segue back there. So Tobias is living in Jake's attic. In this book, like Jake's pried open a window and Tobias is flying in there and Jake's leaving him like containers. Of, yeah, Tupperware of hamburger and potatoes and shit that he can't eat. Why is he living in Jake's house and not like in the barn at Cassie's Animal Rescue where they're already feeding <laughs> hawks things that they need to survive? That's like a that's a good fucking question. Like why? Like That seems like a way more natural fit. Like, Tobias limps around and pretends he has a hurt wing. He can just hang out with Cassie. Like, he doesn't even have to, like, 
like pretend that he's hurt. He just like goes in the rafters and just like hides. Yeah. Yeah, like it. Yeah, and it's weird that Jake wasn't like, "Well, let me get a book, or let me ask Casey right? about what hawks eat." Like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give him chips and like animal crackers. Right, he and Cassie are like pre-dating right here, and yeah. he never thinks to say like, "Hey, you're super into animals. What do hawks eat?" <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "Oh no, hawks they eat people food." Right, he just wants like mashed potatoes. We're gonna get KFC later. He probably wants some coleslaw. No dog. Mom made some chicken cacciatore. I'll just give him some of that. Right? That, yeah, that's weird. I hadn't really thought about that until you pointed it out, but it is weird that he's not just hanging with Cassie. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Is it just because, like, Jake's the only one who really... Was friends with him? Is it because Cassie's a girl? <laughs> Maybe. Is it because they can't have a teenage boy living with a teenage girl, even if the teenage boy is a hawk? Maybe. I My instinct, I don't remember this being a plot point, but it feels like it'll be a plot point at some point where Tom will see that there's a red-tailed hawk, which the, the Yurks know to look out for now, coming in and out of his house. But maybe, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I remember that, like, post this book, Tobias just takes up residence in a meadow somewhere. I hope so. And says, like, hey, guys, uh, thanks for the hospitality, but I'm just gonna, like, live wild and come visit you every day and see what's up. Yeah, I think that's that sounds right. I mean, I know eventually he hangs out in the mountains uh, in some later developments in the books, but I think that sounds right. I, I want him to come to terms with his hawk brain. Yeah, he's definitely struggling with that right now, and... There's, I thought I was real clever noticing that there's a sort of parallel between uh, Yurk possession and what Tobias is struggling with, with the hawk brain right. instincts. Uh, and then that's called out in like the next <laughs> chapter. So I wasn't reading subtext so much as text. Yeah, okay, I saw you coming. Yeah, she really did. Yeah. She, she had that on me. <laughs> but other than that, I feel like, I mean, t- Tobias seems very accepting of his general situation if not of the actual hawk brain part of his life well his life was not sucked yeah it was not great before and like we talked about in ep1 it almost seems like he did this on purpose yeah i'm more and more convinced he's he's getting a little bit of a buyer's remorse right now but i mean he's he definitely seemed more into flying around as a hawk than living with his aunt or uncle who don't even like him and probably haven't like submitted a missing persons about him yeah no kidding they did a round robin jake did a round robin on his aunt and uncle and now he's just a missing child forever i guess do you think that they all did a round robin to get like out to the woods for all day (laughs) i hope so or maybe they were just like gone fishing and and their parents were like yeah that seems perfectly normal for a 12 year old boy I mean, cell phones aren't like a plot in here, so I honestly do not remember how my mom dealt with me just disappearing for a day, like going to Dale's and then I'd bike (laughs) off and who knows. Yeah, my parents didn't care. I mean, I, I mean, I lived I lived out into the woods. I lived out in the woods. So I was either at home and could not escape because I was in the middle of the woods or I was in town and they didn't give a fuck because I was just in town hanging out. So I don't know. I assume it's round robin. I assume that there's so much, so much round robin going on. It's just interesting that they never call it out. And even in Buffy, they made frequent references to having to round robin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
I really want to make a, a joke about the fact that Robin is a bird, but it's not coming. <laughs> it's not coalescing. If you get it later, we'll just cut it back in right here. Okay, good. All right. I'll, I'll probably be distracted trying to think of something the whole rest of this episode. Um, so I, I'd forgotten that Rachel was into Tobias, too, until this book. Yeah! There's a little bit of tenderness in, in 1 and 2, but it's it's this is where it very much turns, uh, it's very much obviously not just friendly. Yeah. Like the fact that Rachel has a picture of pre-hawk uh, form Tobias, like in her dresser. Right? Like not in her yearbook. No, that was weird. I couldn't, I mean, well, let me ask you, do you think that was pre-getting stuck in the morph? Like she just had that? Or was it like a... My friend is stuck as a hawk now. I need this memory of him. How would she have gotten it post-hawk morph? I don't know. I don't know how cameras work before, <laughs> before cell phones. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, she must have had that before he turned. She was into the sad poetry kid who got beat up? Yeah. Aww. Poor, poor, sweet, nerdy Tobias. Never <laughs> knew. I bet, oh, that's extra sad, though, because I bet if he knew before he became a hawk... Probably wouldn't have become a hawk. Yeah, that's... Probably would have tried a little harder to be with Rachel. K.A. twist in the knife. Oh, shit. Ah, oh. Yeah, I, I really liked the fact that it, it sort of reminded me of, like, all those teen movies where uh, the teen boy, like, climbs the roof to get to the girl's uh, uh, bedroom. Sure, Buffy, Clarissa explains it all. Oh, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting that they sort of do that, but it's a hawk and he just <laughs> flies into her window. Yeah. So romantic. She put the she put the birdhouse outside her window so he can <laughs> land there and beat his wings against the window to get her to open it. Right? That's beautiful. Oh, uh, it's a uh just a love that dare not speak its name. Yeah. No. Amongst his love for that hawk. That poor <laughs> that poor dead hawk. Yeah, man. We started talking about that hawk. Did we ever, like, finish that hawk's arc? No. I it mean, dead. That's, I'll yeah. finish it now. It dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yurk shot it. They thought that that hawk was Tobias, so they just, they capped it. Yeah. I thought that's extra rough. I mean, if I were a Yurk, I would 100% kill any animal that I saw during any mission anywhere. I would just shoot it dead. I mean, they sort of started that. Yeah, and I think that I mean for I think that's a, a wise Yurk tactic, but fuck, really sad. I mean, page one twenty one, Cassie was real mad about them just Dracon beaming a deer because a deer never hurt anyone. Oh, Cassie! <laughs> Cassie has never attended college with deer on campus during rutting season. Oh Lord, she doesn't know yet. She's only twelve. I mean. Every year, there was something in the Alestal about uh, somebody getting mauled by a deer. They can fuck you up. Yeah. Can and will. They got horns for a reason. But yeah, that poor that poor dead hawk. Her, her arc. I mean, I mean, talk about getting fridged. She was a hawk, so maybe it doesn't count. But her, her whole arc is about Tobias, like, freeing her and then kind of wanting to go and fuck her and then not. And then her dying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is never made explicit that he wants to fuck her. Oh, but you know. Yeah. Brent, you know. He wants to get bird nasty. He wants to bump cloacas. Ugh, gross. But, <laughs> but beautiful, because nature's beautiful, I guess. I mean, nature's horrifying. Don't even play. Yeah, that's fair. 
if if the Animorphs books teach us nothing, is that <laughs> nature is fucking horrifying. Yeah, and I think there there's so that's something that's running through these books as well is the fact that they're preteens and that this is a book about their changing bodies and hair growing in new places and these new strange impulses, whether they be uh, feeding or fucking. There's something really interesting about the puberty parallel that's happening. <laughs> feeding or fucking is my new game show. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's both. I don't know if they do praying mantis. <laughs> no, it's always an either or. It's like a it's like a family feud style <laughs> thing where the audience has voted. And you just have to guess. Fucking horrifying. So they're all going through puberty. I guess Tobias is never he's never gonna go through puberty. Well, I mean they're all thirteen. They're thirteen years old, so it's yeah. probably started for most of them. That's true. Probably, Ra- I, I, my guess is Rachel probably has gone through a lot of the puberty just based on the descriptions of her and the fact that uh, uh, grown men are trying to abduct her on the side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be enough that she was tall, but they're always like, yeah. "Oh, she's a model," and so yeah, beautiful. grown men trying to, yeah. So yeah, Rachel probably is. I mean, she shot up. Yeah, and Marco probably not because they. I mean, or make maybe Marco's just short. I, they refer to his shortness a lot, but it's hard to pinpoint if yeah. that's uh, puberty jokes. <laughs> I mean the the cover image they have of Jake on book one definitely looks prepubescent, but yeah. I I don't think any of the cover art really ever gelled with my mental image of any of the animorphs. See, I I definitely like looking at this cover that image of Tobias on the cover is 100% my mental image of Tobias. He kind of looks like Sean from Boy Meets World is my <laughs> my mental image. Because Sean also comes from like a, a, a shitty, shitty household setting. So for some reason, those two memories gelled. But in the book, he's described as being like blonde and a little chunky. Tell me that you had crossover fanfic on your Animorph site. No, I was never so ambitious. <laughs> 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 boy meets morph oh fuck yeah lizard meets boy boy meets yerk <laughs> yerk meets world they're all really good oh boy I, god i hope there is i hope there is that crossover fan fiction somewhere i hope there's some tgi friday animorphs crossover fanfic this is another book where they only save one person yeah hey animorphs get your fucking shit on lock I feel like for as shit as their plans are, for as like half-assed as they plan everything, uh, and the fact that they're all children. Yeah, I'm hard on them. Like one person saved per book. Well, did they save? They didn't save anybody in book two. No. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's impressive that they even saved that one because that was a pretty dodgy situation. And I mean, I guess that wasn't the Animorphs as a whole. That was just Tobias. Yeah, it was Tobias doing some Lone Ranger shit, guiding him with thought speech, which is pretty badass. Oh, right, and, and Dangeroo. Yeah, but also, hey, dude, what's your life like now? What are you, what's happening? Well, unlike uh, canonical badass hacker Hecate <laughs> from book one, uh... This guy wasn't a controller, so they don't necessarily know who he is. They just know that he got away, maybe saw, probably saw Hork-Bajir. They don't know that Tobias thought speeched him. Yeah. So they're just like, ah, he was in the woods, he saw a monster. If he tells anybody, they'll think he's crazy. So as long as dude keeps his head down, 
he'll be okay. But what I kind of life? He is can that? go back to his normal life. He can just pretend right. it didn't happen. Yeah. Not like poor Hecate, who's now gonna be on the run cross country the rest of her life. She never knows when she can stop. I like the idea that there's like a parallel X Files episode brewing in the background of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea, I like the idea that Hecate is like monitoring email contact from this region, and if she gets a hit on Alien, Salad Spinner, <laughs> Controller, or just any of these, she's like, ah, bingo. I got another one. Yeah, she shows up with her fake ID, pretending to be an FBI agent. <laughs> yeah. Another excellent crossover, the Animorphs X-File crossover fan fiction. Another ripe vein. So the mall, Rachel's got this gymnastics exhibition, and Tobias, when he freaks out and yeah. loses his shit, when he has this breakdown after eating a, a rat, his first, his only thought is, gotta find Rachel. Right. And so he does this, like, suicide run into this mall. And that's where they made the one change I found in the re-release in this. Oh, yeah. What was it? Because he keeps listing off these stores that he's seen as he's flying by, right? Right. So they changed B. Dalton to Barnes & Noble. Oh, shit. That's it. That's literally, <laughs> they left everything else. They left in Radio Shack. I don't know when the last time I saw Radio Shack in a mall Oh, was. shit. Yeah. Like, standalone rat shacks were still pretty common even five years ago, but in a mall? That's expensive space. Yeah, I wonder, I, I want to know who's doing those changes and who is like, B. Dalton's out, Barnes & Noble, that that reference will stay evergreen forever. Uh, and then two years later, shit, they, they closed down. Shit. It's got to be just some intern that they said, here, update this. And they were like, I'm not fucking reading this book. <laughs> I do hope it is that. So they just like skimmed it and were like, B. Dalton, I think they got bought. Yeah, I like that. That seems very likely. The weird thing is how many stores that he was listing off are still there, like, relevant. Yeah. I mean, Cinnabons are still still up and running. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Cinnabon was one of them. Was it? I don't remember what was listed. I just remember what a very important part Cinnabon plays in future books. Yes, that is true. That is very true. I don't remember any of the books at any other uh, stores that he listed. No, I mean, they were all... They were mostly clothing stores. The, mm. I mean, one of them I didn't, I'd never even heard of, but it's apparently a thing, like mm. a fashion brand. Okay. And then there was something like, uh, I don't know, a Forever Twenty One or a, an Abercrombie or something. One one of those evergreen mall stores that's in every mall and has oh, been yeah. in every mall forever. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a whole list of things that you're like, okay, yes, every one of these conceivably could exist in a mall and they just decided b dalton needs to be updated <laughs> radio shack still good still on there but uh we're the publishing industry we know b dalton's out uh, that, yeah that's true that's fucking funny yeah they were the publishers themselves know we can't we can't reference b dalton we'll look like fools b dalton you might as well have put walden books in there come on <laughs> ka get it together or maybe they had a Barnes & Noble cross promo. They had to get their tips. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, that's definitely the future of this sort of thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, I hope, desperately hope, K.A. was getting some kickbacks from Cinnabon. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, I wanted to talk about how freaky that scene where uh, they almost get stuck as wolf morphs. And then K.A. describes in loving detail, like, <laughs> Marco transforming to just his head and the rest of his body was still a wolf yeah fucking why 
I mean, I know why. It's crazy, but shit. Yeah, well, because that's the shit she likes to write, obviously. Yeah, she's deep into that weird body horror. She's a Cronenberg of herself. (laughs) That was the mistake they made with the Animorphs TV show, is not getting Cronenberg to direct it. Oh, God. God. That just, Brent, just saying that gave me nightmares. (laughs) Just hearing you say that. Nightmares of wanting to feast on maggots and dead flesh, probably. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that scene was pretty, pretty freaky. Well, and I mean, Tobias watching that happen is, I like that his reaction is a mixture of horror and like gratitude that he at least got stuck as a full animal. Yeah. Yeah. And this didn't. Uh, this is not something I remembered, but the idea that they could hypothetically get stuck as the sort of half creature. Yeah, I didn't fucking remember that either. Yeah, that's terif- That's so. That's so much more terrifying than just getting stuck stuck as a full animal, right? Because like you're you're fucked. I mean, Tobias is it has the hawk brain, so in a way he's stuck between them, but he can still just fly and be a bird and shit. Yeah, you can't be a bird with a people head. No, it's horrifying. It's not gonna work. You're you're definitely gonna get shot. You're gonna get stuffed and put in Ripley's. Ugh. Yeah, being just like this half-formed wolf girl. And not even like a fun werewolf-style wolf girl. Just like, ah. You're gonna have to like eat live prey and taste it with a human mouth and tongue. Yeah, and be conscious. But you don't have a human stomach, so you can't just eat human food. Yeah, and mating. Mating is straight out. Woof. Absolutely not. Wolf indeed. (laughs) God. (laughs) Horrifying. All right, was there anything else? Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk briefly about, so we, we get, and this is an interesting uh, sort of world building thing I think that K.A. puts in this one where the Yerk mothership needs air and water and so they have to steal it from the planet that they're orbiting so they have this tanker ship that goes and just sucks water up out of lakes and scoops oxygen out of the atmosphere and that I thought was pretty interesting but they they don't find out yet how the mothership gets food and I assume they need some sort of food supply because they have controllers on it Certainly they've yeah. got Taxons and Hork Bashir, maybe some human controllers. So like just a real heavily used Costco membership. Or <laughs> yeah, they're buying in bulk. Like a Cisco contract. I'm really, I'm wondering how they get that food and then get yeah. that good food up, flown up to the mothership. It's a great question because we yeah we know the hosts still have to eat because we saw mrs chapman preparing food while her husband sat watching nothing staring at nothing so presumably they still have to eat honestly if if i were a slug creature that basically could not have any sense sensory (sighs) experience without taking over someone's mind yeah fucking eating would be number one. I would be into it. And as we see in a later book, there are aliens who experience human taste buds and are like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be part of the reason the Yurks want bodies to live in is so you get that extrasensory input. I mean, you would think that, but Chapman's just sitting there doing nothing while Mrs. Chapman's Yurk is cooking. Is she like lower ranking or what's going on? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, they don't seem to get a lot of joy out of like their whole situation anyway. They seem to be pretty miserable. Yeah. They yeah. So they're really taking those bodies for granted. 
But yeah, maybe they've got like, I mean, maybe they've got some caterers on the hook, but who's funding? Like how, you you raise a really good question. Right, because they're not like getting Crystal Geyser deliveries for their Yerk water coolers (laughs) on the mothership, right? They're just sucking shit up out of lakes and filtering it themselves. Yeah. Um, So I, how they get in the good food, how they get in the good food boys up to the, the mothership. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they're hunting. They've got to be using human food supply chains. But that, I mean, how, uh, where the money coming from? I mean, I guess they could just be sucking up garbage from the dump for the taxons. They'll eat anything. Yeah, it's true. The taxons will eat fucking anything. Roadkill. The Horkbashira, I I feel like I remember them being vegetarian. So they got to, they got to get plants, but probably not garbage plants so where's that coming from you can't suck up a hose full of plants yeah i mean so the the andalites i seem to recall have a ship where they produce like they have those garden ships where they produce foods yeah the dome ships where they have an actual garden inside a big dome because they eat grass through their hooves yeah you know like you do yeah like you do uh, so maybe maybe the Yurks have a similar setup but that also begs the question of why they need oxygen and water if they do yeah because the Andalites obviously don't. Yeah. But I guess maybe it's a commentary on the difference between Andalite culture and Yurk culture, takers versus makers, some sort of random bullshit. Who even knows? <laughs> yeah, it could just be that. I mean, it could just be they. she needed a mission. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I maybe we're reading too much into a children's novel. I don't know. But I'm really hoping that at some point in the future, they cover the logistics of the Yurk food supply chain. Yeah. I mean, if not, maybe that's maybe that's a side quest for Hecate. Maybe she's she's tracking, she's following the money, she's following the paper. She's disrupting their food supply. Yeah, classic guerrilla tactic. <laughs> well, maybe we'll learn more about the supply chains. I, I down really the road. honestly hope that we do. Um, <laughs> there's twenty or thirty of these books that I haven't read ever. So yeah, who knows what secrets lie await. Oh, I hope th- I hope there's somebody listening who's like I can't believe these fucking nerds don't remember in book 19 there's an explicit mission where they crash a catering event. Well, if you're that nerd, hit us on Twitter. Yeah, spoil us at Fandalites or email us fandalites at gmail.com will definitely yes. give you a shout out uh, for <laughs> schooling us on Animorphs knowledge. An easy thing to do, I'm certain. Oh, definitely. We don't remember this shit. That's the whole point of this podcast. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, We'll be back with book four, The Message. The cover for this book indicates that there is some sort of contest. Picture yourself morphed. Uh, I'm going to do my best to find examples of that on the internet if I can. All right, please join us next week. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, Please do pick up the books or find them online and read along with us because that's part of the joy. Uh, We want to know what your thoughts and feelings are about all of the the, just the dumb shit we said during this episode. Absolutely. Call us out. Call us out hard. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for our intro and outro music. It's uh, Sunset Parallax. It's Sunset Parallax uh, off of the album name the same, I believe. You can... See his stuff at dustnodell.bandcamp.com. All right. We'll see you next week. And remember, nostalgia is a drug.